One, two, three. So I didn't get a uh, I didn't get a notification that we were recording. Yeah, the, oh, the woman didn't. didn't the woman didn't say anything. You gotta oh, shake okay. off the cobwebs, Rob. You gotta shake them off. We're we're back now. I didn't, back. I didn't hear anything. You gotta be on your game. I didn't hear anything. That's why you gotta be in your game. This pours like oil, by the way. Oh yeah, <laughs> this, this is, is thick, thick boy. Now I see why Weston uh, he didn't want to sit this one out. Yeah, I don't blame him. Whoa. Looks like a bomb over. Bomb went <laughs> off in Andy's corner. That is thick. <laughs> Dang, it smells thick. Oh, man. I taste a lot that of vanilla thick. beans. Hey guys, what's, what's up? up? How's it going? We're back. It's we're good to be back. back. Yeah, we are back. We are back. Yeah, after taking some time off to enjoy the holidays and to settle into the after taking a little time to settle into the new year as well, it's time for us to get back to discussing all things related to beer. More importantly, drinking beer. Exactly. That's why we're really here. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. I completely agree with that. All right. So I'm Rob. And I'll be the host tonight or moderator, whatever you want to call it, at least for this episode. I'm joined by my good friends, Andy and Josh. And unfortunately, Wes is off this week, but he'll be back with us next episode. Hopefully. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Fingers are crossed. <laughs> and toes. I'm crossing toes, too. All of them. <laughs> we miss you, Wes. He's all good. He's just got, uh, he's doing a home renovation right now. And and uh, his his studio is not working for him. It's getting an upgrade. upgrade. That's right. <laughs> We've made a few changes and upgrades to the format of the podcast as well. Nothing too major, but a, just a few tweaks based on some feedback we heard on things that could be could make it a little bit better. So hope you all enjoy. And if not, well, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So send us your feedback. We, we're at the, the Bruise Day on Instagram and Twitter and Reddit. Where else? All the places. All the places. So with that, let's kick it off. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. All right. So for our Cheers Beer of the Week, we've got an Imperial Stout called Bomb from Prairie Artisan Ales out of Krebs, Oklahoma. It is a 13% beer. <laughs> and the name just is spot on. It's aged in on coffee, chocolate, vanilla beans, and ancho chili peppers. The peppers add, as the description says on their website, add just the right amount of heat to complement the intense coffee and chocolate flavors. Bomb has been named a rate beer top 100 beer in the world for three consecutive years. It has a rating of 4.3 on untapped with 147,000 check-ins. Guys, I know this one was difficult for us to find. It is it is a top beer. 
I, I know that I had to drive uh, 40 miles round trip to pick this one up. Andy, I know that you had to drive quite a distance as well. Josh, I think you may have as well. I got this like the one last not... one in town. Yeah, <laughs> I, I got uh, the last. I got the last two of six in in the DFW Metroplex, Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. I think I had to drive. I think round trip was like 80, 80 to one hundred miles round trip from my place <laughs> to go get it. So yeah, it was. We I worked mean, for I, this one. Oh, we absolutely did. And it was difficult to find, but would you classify it as the bomb? Andy, I'm going to kick it over to you first. It definitely deserves the exclamation point mm-hmm. in the beer name. <laughs> I made a comment when I was pouring that it pours like gasoline or motor oil. Like it is thick and it is dark and it pours very smooth it looks a little it's like definitely like more like viscous than you would get just with like a light beer i'm getting a lot of chocolate and vanilla from this i'm not really getting any of the pepper i'm like i'm like hoping that i get some of the pepper i like a little bit of spice every once in a while like i'm a big fan of you know you think some of the beers that use jalapeno or habanero but i'm not really getting any of the chilies in this one, but also I can understand why, because it's being overpowered by coffee and chocolate and the vanilla. And the alcohol. Yeah. I, I think I also. get more alcohol than I do the peppers, but I think one of the things that surprised me, it it coated my mouth. Like when I poured it, like the mouthfeel, like it just left a coating around my mouth. It drinks really smoothly for it being as strong as it is, as dark it is, as it is. I think it drinks really smoothly, but uh, the it is bomb. Like that is about the best way that I can explain it simply. And uh, again, the exclamation point is spot on in the name. Andy, I think I'm right there with you. So I get a ton of chocolate. I get the vanilla bean that kind of smooths it out. I think towards the end and, and helps it out a ton. What I'm sort of wondering is, you know, traditional vanilla bean has a little bit, a tiny bit of kick to it. Is I'll I'll go ahead and say that. I think maybe some of that chili is potentially like offsetting, you know, however they got the vanilla in there. Um, It's an interesting beer to to the thick, you know, point of it. I get not that this is a bad thing. I think it's a little bit syrupy. Um, and I think if, if you're sort of a person who likes beers like this, you're you're probably used to that profile. Um, but it, that's, I think that's at least why it, it's coating my mouth. Um, and, and it definitely, Rob, to your point, it tastes like a 13% beer. There, there's no necessarily hiding it. Um, but with sort of that added uh, sweetness from the chocolate and the vanilla, it, it doesn't just taste like this like fiery, heavy ABV beer. There's, there's a sweetness that, that balances a bit of that heat from just, you know, how boozy it is out and, and you know, makes it a good beer. I can certainly see you know, why it's, it's one of the rate beers, top beers. Um, and you know, I, I can sort, I can definitely see the 4.3 rating. I feel like personally, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit under that. I'm, I'm probably closer to like a four, um, but I can totally see where a 4.3 comes from. Yeah. I was actually going to say to you guys, do you, do you think this should come in around a 4.3? Cause I feel like, and may, maybe I'll get there as I continue to th- drink through this, but I feel like I'm not at a 4.3 yet. No, I'm not either. I'm not. It's good though. 
it is good. I just, I'm just not up to that. 4.3 is pretty high. I just don't know that I'm there quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, this one's pretty close to a whale. It's been on that top hundred beers list from rate beer. It's been on that list three times. It's currently number it's currently ranked 121st out of the top 250 on beer advocate. It has a score of 100 on beer advocate. I'm leaning probably more towards like a four, four, one. It is a very good beer but it's not really the type of style that I find myself drinking a lot. So drinking this surprises me that, you know, I, earlier today I had, I had an IPA. I had kind of like a, a spent grain, like lighter um, dark beer. And this just like blows both of those out of the water in terms of just like overall, like body. The one thing that I've kind of picked up on is when I smell it, the, the aroma I get is a dark chocolate, like a very bitter dark chocolate. But when I actually taste it, I get more of like a milk chocolate because I think the vanilla smooths out some of that bitterness. So that really stood out to me. Yeah, I would agree with that. So Rob, where are you? Are you at a, what, four, four, one? Do you want us to come back to you after, after you finished your, uh, your pint? <laughs> I think I'm probably around, I'd say a four, one, maybe. I also don't want to make sure that I'm like, I'm just like, I'm taking my first impression and completely disregarding like the quality that we're drinking. So I do feel like it's worthy to come back, which all beer should be, should be that way. Right. So like, I I feel like as we're, as we're providing our ratings here, whether we do it initially or we come back and update them, you know, throughout the episode, like, I I feel like everyone should, you should absolutely try to form an opinion as you're, as you're smelling it and you're tasting it immediately. But at the same time, you know, you shouldn't just completely disregard or overhype a beer just on from your first impression alone. You should definitely get to know it and let it breathe or, you know, let it sink in a little bit. Rob, that that's a good point. And and I'll I'll kind of uh, throw one more question to you before we we jump into our topics for today. Uh, You mentioned that uh, specifically you got two out of six. Uh, I was joking that I got kind of the only one in town. Normally, I I like to get two of the beers that that we're going to enjoy for a cheers beer. Had you had the had you had one yet? And this is the second one? Or is this the the first initial tasting and, and you've got another one to sort of sit and sip on? Yeah, I really wanted to make sure that this was my my first. Uh, so I've only this is my first one of, of the two. Uh, but after driving so far and really, you know, investing so much time uh, in trying to locate it, when I saw first off, uh, Total Wine in <laughs> Cedar Hill, which is south of, of Dallas, about 30 minutes has a really impressive beer selection. And it took me a good 20 minutes to locate this beer. But when I finally came up to it on the shelves, it just stuck out to me like this beer just like shining on the shelf. And it was pretty amazing. So as I was kind of fumbling through the shelf, I saw six of them there and uh, five or six of them there. And I just thought, you know what, I'm, I've got to leave a couple for anyone else that's going to be driving as far as I did to try to locate this thing. At the same time, I'm going to walk away from here with at least more like I've got to walk away with more than one. So I ended up walking away with two of them. I will be drinking this again. Uh, I'll probably, you know, wait for an opportunity to introduce somebody else to it that really likes stouts. Yes, yeah, I do it. think it's it, yeah, it's worth sharing for sure. Um, 
but yeah, so far um, I'm enjoying this. It's definitely good. Uh, I'm excited to see if it's going to increase from that 4.1 that I initially gave it though. So I'll check back in with you guys in a little bit on that. Beautiful. All right. So let's dive into our main topic for this episode. We're going to be talking about food and beer pairing, which we actually haven't done yet, which to be honest, I'm kind of excited about. So just, you know, very generally, as you all know, beer flavors and styles can be very complex, ranging from malty or bitter to sweet to tangy or sour. The flavor profiles of beer are kind of all over the place. While none of us are have ever really hosted an official beer and food pairing, we've pulled together the most recent research, at least that we could find, to try to bring a few easy to follow principles to all of you. Josh, I'm going to look to you first. What do you have? Any any quick advice or tips you'd like to throw out there? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're all going to say this multiple times. The the first rule is that all these rules are meant to be broken. So, you know, people tried these things, they decided they tasted well and and they sort of shared them out. If they don't taste right to you, like or or if you want to go above and beyond this or or even go against some of these rules just to understand maybe why they have been created, I think all of us would agree you should 100% do that. At the end of the day, if, if you love IPAs, IPA probably goes with everything to you. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna sort of at least try to to expand a bit outside of that range. There are three primary things that that I sort of look for. The first option is contrasting flavors. So, uh, so sort of opposites attract, opposites attract, if you will. Um, so not duplicating flavor. If you're going for a really spicy meal, you don't need sort of a really spiced type of beer that almost like duplicates that that's that type of flavor i'm gonna pause you right there josh i do feel like some balance is necessary um you know while you say you know opposites attract i i feel like you know an imperial stout could be a perfect balance to something like chocolate but probably isn't going to work very well with a sushi dish or some sort of seafood Absolutely. And so that's where I think you get into um, sort of my second one, which is another route you can go, and that's complementing flavors. Um, so All when, right, I, when I say that, yeah, exactly. When I, when I say that, I mean sort of enhancing an existing flavor. So to your point, having a, a sort of stout that leads you into a chocolate, that is going to sort of complement those flavors versus being super overwhelming, like something like a spicy um, that you might not want to be overwhelmed by. Um, I think a great example, and, and I don't know if you guys have had this combo recently, um, but like an amber ale really brings out um, some of the profiles in like a pepperoni pizza because you have both pepperoni and a, a dough that, you know, an amber sort of starts to lead in there with the malt and, and it's not so bitter and, and changing the flavor. It's it's complementing it. So that's that's kind of where you can decide between contrasting complementing is if it's going to be overwhelming or not. I have not had that combination recently, but I am, I just had dinner and I am ready. <laughs> now I'm you're ready. ready to give this a try. <laughs> awesome. The, the other thing that I'll mention, and, and there's probably a ton of other rules, but it's one of the ones that I found interesting um, is carbonation. So your, your normal straight up beer, lager, IPA, really anything is, is mostly going to be carbon dioxide. 
The other option there would be a nitro. And I've had a few nitro beers lately. Um, it's something that I've been, you know, experimenting more with in terms of just different styles, trying to put their beer on nitro. It adds a little bit of smoothness and balance to sort of whatever flavor you're going for. So if you're going to go really greasy, salty, um, I think a great example would be, you know, if you're going to go have a Guinness, it sort of goes really well with fish and chips. You're, you're balancing out the greasy, the salty with something that's a little bit more smooth. That's not done by the beer in terms of flavor. It's done by the beer in terms of how it was oxygenated um, in terms of just like the, the nitro bringing some of that smooth and, and balance out in, in the flavors. Josh, I've, I've honestly never thought of how carbonation plays into beer and pairings, but drinking the bomb from Prairie, Prairie Artisan Ales tonight, it is such a soft carbonation because of the barrel aging that it's almost not, maybe that's why it feels so smooth when I'm drinking it is because there's very little carbonation when you compare it to some of the other beers that you have that are going to have that more distinct carbonation. Yeah. This, this would pair really well with something that like maybe is, is more greasy, like a, a, a super, you know, rare done burger, some like something where you're, you're balancing out some of the, the, the piece of that meal with, you know, something that's smooth, like, you know, the beer that we're drinking today, even though this isn't specifically nitro, it, it has a ton of smoothness. I'm going to kind of just build on, on that, Josh, because you, you touched on a lot of different things. And one, one, I guess I have some keys to victory when it comes to, to a lot of different things, but I have three, some three, yeah, keys? three keys. There's always at least three keys to victory, sometimes four, <laughs> but typically, you know, victory comes in, in, you know, like the, the rule of three. You know, Andy, that the three keys to victory really hasn't worked out for you in the past. So I hope for food and beer pairings, you know, your luck changes here. I hope so too. I should, maybe for this, I should change it to the three courses of victory. There you go. There you go. Uh, Because the first actual point I'm going to make is you really kind of have to think about the beer you're drinking with the course of the meal that you're also having too, because a beer that will pair well with a main course will not necessarily pair well with a salad or a lighter kind of appetizer course. And similarly may not pair well with a dessert or, or, you know, kind of a, a later course in a meal. So really what I'm encouraging you to do is to have multiple beers with dinner. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, A beer per course is is (laughs) what I'm hearing. (laughs) So really the three courses to victory are the three different beers you have with your appetizer, main and dessert for any meal. And you got to make sure that those line up appropriately. And Josh, I agree with a lot of the points that you made regarding kind of like harmonies and balances. Um, I, I just, you really surprised me with the carbonation. That's something I've never thought of as it relates to food and how a beer drinks with it. But the beer we're having tonight is a perfect example of, of how carbonation plays into the beer and experience that you're having when you drink it. So don't drink a triple IPA with like shrimp cocktail. I think is, is what you're, exactly. What you're and and Rob there. made a point, no stouts with sushi, no stouts with like an appetizer. There's some, there's some very simple don'ts. I, I also when think it comes you to that. Are- you're also making a great point here, Andy, that, you know, going into your pairing event, you need to define what are your goals and what is the theme of the event, right? If, if it's, if it's a, a 
barbecue with your friends or if it's a, let's, let's just say, let, let me say this instead. If, if you're trying to be wild, right. And you're trying to do something totally off script or, or, you know, then you know you're gonna do what Josh was saying and try to have contrasting flavors and and not balance it and opposites attract. If you're trying to stick to more of a script where you're not trying to be as wild uh, and you really want to pair, then it's gonna be a little bit more more neutral. And to your point, Andy, you're gonna have more of a neutral or easy to pair food menu with some pretty approachable beers that aren't that wild. Yeah. You know that are well balanced with the foods that you're eating, Rob. I, I'd even double up on that and say, you know, maybe if, if you're trying to go with the Andy course of like a, a beer per co- beer per round of a food, um, you but isn't could, that how it should be? I mean, shouldn't it yeah, be a beer like by per the course? dinner, like, like, I got, or by dessert, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> I, I think you could actually sort of flip you know, the, the lighter foods, maybe you go more complimenting and then the richer foods, you go more contrasting. So I, I don't think you have to stick to one throughout the whole meal. I think if, if you really want to throw people off, if you're going to do this four course meal and by the end of it, you've like done the same exact thing, you know, piece after piece, I would rather see you, you know, for dessert or for your first round or the middle round, throw in something that is completely different from what you're doing with the rest of the course, just to add intrigue or at least some interest, even if somebody doesn't like it, 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 it's at least kind of food for thought. Yeah. I like it. Food for thought or beer for thought. Beer. Yeah. And before we leave this topic, I'm going to leave, I'm going to give you one more key to victory here. If you're going to have a pairing event and that's to stop and breathe and enjoy it. Hopefully, I know we're in some we're still in some kind of odd times, tough times, but when you get back to events and when you get back to trying to to pair food with beer with your friends, enjoy it. Talk to them about it. Use that as an opportunity to just really understand your palate and your friend's palate because we disagree on flavors when it comes to specific beers we've had and we've very much so been drinking the same beer for many years and still understanding that we have different flavors. So definitely recommend that, that people do it, but enjoy it. Don't just like plow through it, eat quickly, like stop, take a breath, talk about it, think about it and enjoy it. The next time the three of us, uh, the four of us plus, plus Wes go to dinner, like I'm going to make it like a four hour dinner. (laughs) You're gonna pair. You're gonna pair the event oh, for yeah, us. Yeah, Josh is gonna set yeah, the menu. And, All right. Yeah, and we might we might even have a beer in between just as a palate cleanser. I, I think if you're doing a pairing event, I think you absolutely have to have multiple beers paired with multiple courses. I think that's that oh, yeah. really just sets it up. You know, takes it up a, a notch. Mean, that that should be a no brainer. Yeah, I, I didn't include it in mine. One of the other things that I had read, and, and I found it interesting, but but maybe not enough to make it a, a full-on topic, but just specific to the amount of beer per um, sort of per uh, with the food that you're eating, um, it's the general rule of thumb that I had seen was that it's like a, kind of a sip of beer per bite of food. 
Um, oh, and so okay. maybe some of your entrees are actually smaller. If you're going to do a large oh, like a kind of multiple course meal, yet you might actually serve like a taster of beer with that. You don't have to down 12 ounces of beer because, you know, somebody brought you out, uh, you know, a, a little piece of food. You could, you could in theory do a six course meal and provide tasters that go along with that. And, and you're still getting the beer without necessarily like, you um, going going completely off the deep end and, and forgetting about your dessert entirely so you're getting the beer you're just not getting the check-ins based on our based on our archaic rules of how that we check in be, beers yeah so i do think it's kind of funny when i started to research the topic for this evening one of the first articles that i came across was an event that's put on by the glass jug, which is a, a brewery out of North Carolina. And it's a craft beer and Girl Scout cookie pairing event, which I just thought was awesome. So I read into this a little bit. They're offering flights of four beers paired with four different Girl Scout cookies. I think uh, I think I've seen now that there's several other locations that are also doing this. But I, I just thought this was really cool. Flights are $15 and include a pre-selected list of the beers. And each of them are paired with uh, the different cookies. So I guess like, just a question over to you guys. Have any of you ever been to a pairing event before? So Rob, when you brought this up to us about the Girl Scout cookie pairing event that you came across that kind of spurred this whole episode, I had never heard of girl scout cookie beer pairing events but as soon as you started telling us about it and we started researching this episode and this theme i started finding out that a lot more breweries do this and it's a lot more common a ton do ever i never imagined. knew it yeah <laughs> even even four peaks in tempe arizona which is a brewery that's close to all of our hearts just having gone to arizona state they have done girl scout cookie pairing events before or at least like kits or packages and that shocked me because i've never i'd never even thought about it never heard of it but it's obviously a lot more prevalent than i know uh but as it relates to to beer pairing events i've officially kind of been to one beer pairing event it was i mean if you think about it it was almost a decade ago when i think when i thought back to it yeah it was a very long time ago it was in El Segundo uh, in California. It was uh, at Rock and Brews, which is a, a kind of a brew pub in El Segundo. They, they've begun to expand out over the last few years to different places around the around the country. But you know, Rock and Brews was still pretty pretty young and new around that time frame when I went to this pairing event. And I gotta say, like I enjoyed it. You know, we we paid the money to to get a ticket for it. You had, I think it was like maybe five or six courses. It was more tasters. It wasn't full pints or full cans of beer. Um, and I, I definitely applaud them for doing the, the good job that they did. I really enjoyed the pairing event. It was really interesting because it was a lot of different, you know, it wasn't their standard menu items that they offer at the restaurant. It was a special menu, special beers, like, you know, kind of limited edition. But one thing that really stood out to me that... It, it's a little like too bougie for me. Like or that at least whole at like, that time. Yeah. At the time it was yeah, too bougie 2012 maybe. Yeah. When I wasn't making any money and I was like eating ramen most meals, uh, <laughs> it, it, it felt pretty bougie to me. And, and I, 
maybe it turned me off a little bit from that type of event uh, because I'm more used to like the beer festival where it's a lot of just like more food trucks and more, you know, live music, that kind of like more kind of raucous public atmosphere than like a, I don't know. I think of like a pairing dinner. It just sounds very limited. It sounds very like exclusive and that's not really the kind of the vibe I like to go to. I really did enjoy the pairing event. And I think there's a lot of good that can come from pairing events. It's just, I haven't been to one in a long time. And obviously right now you can't really go to one. So, but when it really comes down to it, I treat every meal as a pairing event. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to have a beer yeah. and I'm going to have food. <laughs> Typically it's IPA with whatever food item I'm having. Yeah. And that's what I'm pairing. It's more of like pairing. It's more just determining what foods go well with an IPA. That is like the perpetual pairing event that I'm running in my head. So the pairing that happens for you is I'm drinking an IPA, whatever it go? is going to go with that. <laughs> exactly. And it's, it's usually food. anything and everything. Andy, it's also interesting. If you went to this uh, pairing event in, would you say 2011? Yeah, maybe 2011, 2012. This is pre untapped for you too, right? It was. Yeah. yeah. I did. I had to take a, just a photo of the menu on my phone. I couldn't even check it in. Wow. Okay. I'm very curious how, I mean, I almost feel like you should go to another pairing event now and, and see if you're, if you still feel like it's bougie or if you feel like you have more of an appreciation uh, for the selection. And it could, it may also depend on the type of event as well, right? If you go to a Girl Scout cookie craft beer pairing event, you it may destroy Girl Scout cookies for you, or it may increase <laughs> your appreciation for craft beer. I think it all depends on the event itself. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I'm excited. I want to go to one. I absolutely do when things can return to that normal where we can experience that. There is, you know, obviously over the last decade, craft beer has continued to boom and and we now all kind of live in different places than we did, you know, 10 years ago. But I'm now in Washington and I'm really excited to kind of see what some of these breweries can do. I, I think I'm going to have to kind of take some of my own keys uh, or courses to victory yeah. and apply them. I'm just going to have to like experience it, enjoy it, talk about it. And it's really just like dive back into it. And I'm excited for that. I'm hopeful to you. The problem I have with, with, with this kind of, with the Girl Scout cookie and craft beer event is I feel like my, my history with Girl Scout cookies and I, is that I often dip them into a glass of milk. And so I feel like I would be, I would want to dip them into the beer, but I'm not sure. Milk stouts? Milk stouts. Yeah, absolutely. Milk stouts, milkshakes, milkshake IPAs. Yeah, we we got you covered. Any anything with lactose sugar, go for it, Rob. All right, there we go. But I feel like you can't make all four beers milkshake IPAs. I don't know. I'd have to. I guess I'd have to scope it out and see how it goes. We'll we'll come up with a plan for you. Josh, (laughs) what about you? Have you been to any events? I, I have not, not not like an official event where you like buy a ticket and show up. Um, I, I think the one thing, and, and it was really picking up before, you know, 
sort of going to restaurants uh, sort of went out the window. Um, but I had noticed more and more restaurants honestly had a drink and I'll, I'll say drink recommendation attached yep. to most of their, their menu items. Sometimes that might be a beer. Sometimes it might be a cocktail, but they were at least trying to get people to think about the idea of, you know, we would recommend that you have this drink with this food item that, that we're selling you. Um, and, you know, more often than not, especially since, you know, you know, the three of us were, were constantly looking for something brand new. Um, even if it maybe wasn't a beer or if it was, it, it was usually something that was outside of my wheelhouse. Um, and I was more than happy to, you know, order that specific beverage to match up with the food on it, like sort of just a, in, in an experimentation sort of way, which is a lot of what I feel like most of these, you know, beer and, and food pairings are. Um, and then I'll kind of throw it back over your way, Andy. You know, you and I have been to Rock and Brew many times together. Um, and, and based on the way that you were explaining it, um, it, it sort of sounds like Rock and Brew is focused more on giving you different beer styles and then adapting the food to it. For the most part, when I think of like food and beer pairings, it, it's usually someone who has put together a meal and then adapted the beverage to fit that. And the, the way you described it and, and whether you agree or disagree, it sounded like they, they sort of put the beer first. And, and I kind of have the, the opposite in mind when I, when I think of these types of events. Yeah, Josh, you bring up a good point. Thinking, thinking back to that, they partnered with a few specific breweries to introduce the beer styles. And it was a variety of beer styles. It wasn't just IPAs. It wasn't just lagers. It was a mix. So you did, you did kind of get a beer with each item. So it was a little bit, maybe more like closer to like a tapas style where it was like smaller plates, but more plates. And so, yeah, I do think that they probably started with the beer first and then built out the pairing menu from that. But that again is like, that kind of ties into that specificity of a, a designed event. Whereas Josh, the point you mentioned about restaurants and, and brew pubs, looking at their menu and be like, okay, what's going to pair best with this. And right. obviously, you know, the, the point of the event is to really, to kind of the, one of the points we mentioned earlier is to like experiment, like try things out, like get people to talk about it, get people to, you know, try that beer with that specific food item. Well, and, and, if it's not necessarily just experimentation, like you went there for your first time, maybe it was more of an introductory measure where they could say, you know, here's five beers, we've paired the correct food. And at least gives you a baseline to start where if, if you like one of those individual styles of beer, you kind of know where your food starting point should be before you go and like host your friends at, at your house for an event. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm thinking about like kind of the events that, you know, we've seen before and now that we're kind of not seeing now during this pandemic. I mean, doing some research on this topic, the most I could find was these these virtual events where a brewery would partner with a local restaurant or a local kind of specific food manufacturer, mainly cheese. You see a lot of like beer and cheese events. So, uh, and it's a research I did Aslin brewing out of Bellingham, Washington back in December did a virtual beer and cheese pairing event where you picked up the kit of both the beer and the cheese from the brewery, took it home and took part in a basically a kind of a web conference pairing event. 
And I, I've seen a lot more of that. And I think we're going to continue to see that until things really go back to face to face. Um, but I would absolutely encourage people to, you know, this is the type of thing that you can do on your own. Like if you talk to your friends and you want to do an interesting event and you live close by, but can't necessarily hang out together, understandably, you can absolutely design your own pairing event, have fun with it. Like really just experiment and enjoy it and use that as an opportunity to connect with your friends and have some really like meaningful social interaction and still get to drink beer and eat some good food. Help make a, make a little basket of, of a dinner and, and a beer and drop it off at a friend's house. And, and I guarantee they will, uh, they will freak out about the, I think the fact that's a, that they got a free dinner. So oh, absolutely. Let, me, let me ask you guys, if you were hosting your own pairing event, give, give us a rundown on the different food courses or what you're pairing it with. If you had to come up with your menu and the beers that you're going to pair with that menu right here on the spot, what, what are you going with? Josh, I'm going to throw it to you first. I, and I, I realize you're not getting a lot of time. So let me stall for a second so you can think through this a little bit and try to come up with something for us that's going to be rather intricate. And, and that was one second. Let's hear it, Josh. And, yeah, and, yeah, all right. Yeah, that was yeah, over to you. You got <laughs> this. That was, that was a you're great welcome, stall. Josh. Josh is great you a stall here. Rob is very good at stalling when it comes yeah, to he's, he's big board, when it comes to lightning round. Yeah. He's very that's a, good that's at stalling. That's a business ability. You should put it on a resume. Uh, all right there you go josh over to you stop stalling all right um i'm gonna go uh you know missing texas a bit i've been away uh away longer than i thought it would have been um i'm gonna go with like an appetizer of like a spicy grilled corn like okay. an elote style yeah yeah something okay. like that and and i'm gonna go it's not gonna be super sour but i'm gonna go with like a mild sour maybe like a, a goza something in in that frame is I think the the sweet sourness might enhance some of the sweetness of the corn, um, while you still gotta get that that spicy kick. Um, okay, all right, that was good off the off the top of your I, head there. I like that. I think that might be good. Um, I'm gonna go after that. Just a, a real easy. I love Caesar salad, um, and I happen to know that it goes really well with Blondale. So I'm gonna cheat and go with something that that I enjoy <laughs> you know, somewhat often. Uh, which is which is that Caesar and, and blonde? Um, Go with it, what it, you know. Yeah, it, it enhances a little bit of the citrus that that kicks in with with the Caesar salad. Entree okay. to, to right. the point of uh, missing Texas a bit. I'm gonna go brisket plate and double IPA. I feel like that's a real solid combo that that I missed quite a bit and that I haven't gotten here in Colorado. Um, and then lastly, I will go. Um, I'm a I'm a pretty big cookie fan. I'm gonna go with a chocolate chip cookie with something like an oatmeal stout. <laughs> slightly slightly different. You're you're getting a little bit more of like the oatmeal within your beer and the you know like a dark chocolate chip cookie. Um, you'll get a little bit of bitterness from the cookie, and and I think those two things would go well. Back to sort of the the point I was making with like especially if it was like a oatmeal nitro stout, something really smooth, but in the cookie realm and then you have something bitter um with like a a dark chocolate chip cookie i think i think those two things would go really well together love it that's great josh good work andy you had a lot of time to think through your menu and how you're gonna pair it i feel like josh just knocked it out of the park 
yours is going to have to top his with how much time you just got to uh, to throw yours together. So what, See, what do you I, got for us? I think Josh made one fatal error in his pairing of it. Oh, no. And that he decided to offer up a salad. <laughs> and instead of a salad, I'm going to do two oh, main I like, courses. I like salads. Eh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I agree with your pick in terms of the beer, but it, if this is a tasting event that I was hosting, absolutely we're doing two main courses. So, and go big. And, I, and thankfully, I have had some time to think about this because Josh went first. I'm going to tie this into all of my pipe dream ideas that I've talked about on previous episodes of the podcast and relate it to my barge brewing idea about brewing beer on a barge and being a little bit more mobile in the activity. So I, I even just, just coming up with it, thought of a theme I'm going hooked, hooked in hops is my theme. Wow. So because oh, I'm shit, in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> because I'm in the Pacific Northwest, I'm going focusing on seafood, focusing on Washington tasty treats because that's where I am now. So I'm thinking as an appetizer, I'm doing like some fish tacos, like fish, like yep. real, like street tacos, like small, but fish tacos. And to the point I made earlier, pretty much everything I eat is, is an IPA paired with some food item. So I'm doing all IPAs for Love this it. event. So I'm doing fish tacos with a session IPA to kind of tie light with light. My first main course is going to be a salmon sandwich. Ooh, and I'm wow. going to, I'm going to pair that with a fresh hop IPA because you get a lot of the hops, but you don't get a lot of the bitterness. Yeah. I and like I, that that's not going to overpower the, the salmon sandwich. So this, this, uh, pairing event then is going to be taking place around On the, the September type time frame. Oh yeah. It's got for fresh hops. It's gotta be August, September, which means you got good, you got good sunlight. It's going to be on the water. We might as well just put out the sunset. Like got thrown on the barge. <laughs> yeah. You got to throw Well, we might go a little bit fancier than the barge. We might actually rent a vessel because you don't want it on the barge. The barge is <laughs> the barge is functional. <laughs> the second main course, just to just to I one forget. up Josh a little bit. I can't believe doing... I forgot there was two main courses. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how I forgot <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm Double. doing fish and chips, and to kind of counteract and kind of balance mm -hmm. out that, like a lot of fried, a lot of fat. I'm doing a double IPA. And then finally, because Washington is kind of like the, the apple state, I'm going to do an apple tart a la mode, get a little ice cream in there, and I'm going to serve it with a milkshake IPA. And that way, if you really want to, you can take that scoop of ice cream and dump it into the milkshake IPA and have yourself a little beer float at the very end. There you go. Uh, Only because Andy talked crap about my salad, I feel like your fish and chips could be paired with some sort of, and we kind of talked about it, like a nitro IPA. Like add some smoothness to it to, to balance out your, your salty and your, uh, your oil. Yeah. Well, my initial thought was to just get increasingly get heavier, uh, hoppier and heavier. So yeah. go like session, <laughs> single, double, dessert. triple, or see if yeah. I can end up at a Quipa, but. No, no, I think I think a milkshake IPA would pair very well with the dessert. All right, I like that. So, Rob, how are you going to top hooked and hops, and how are you going to top salad and Blondale? I could absolutely top both of you. I'm and I will take it the gourmet route. 
Oh, you're gonna you're gonna go. I'm bougie. going gourmet go on this one. Gourmet. Okay, absolutely. We're gonna have a cocktail hour because every gourmet pairing event obviously has a cocktail hour. We're gonna be having cheese sticks with a fruited sour, and you guys know that I love sours, as do many others, and it pairs very well with cheese sticks. So put up that that pinky as you're uh, as you're sipping because it, you're really going to enjoy it. For an appetizer, I will be doing chicken fingers. <laughs> Are these your... all like panko crusted, so it's a little bit fancier? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And they're going to okay. be heated in the microwave. No other way to do it. <laughs> not e- yeah, not even a toaster oven. You get microwave fish <laughs> yeah. or uh, chicken fingers. Okay. Obviously pairing that with a pale ale, because that's the only way to go. Yeah. I'm only going to have one main dish because you shouldn't have two main dishes because main <laughs> is singular. And my main dish is going to be slider with a West Coast IPA. All right. Straight I mean, up slider. It's it's a build your own because we're not that fancy. Oh, it's a build your own slider. Build your own slider with a West Coast IPA. And then my dessert is just going to be a wild card at the end, which obviously is just going to be your imperial stout milkshake because that's what you should have. Just the beer. That's but it. So, well, no I mean, food. No milkshake. That's it. Just the imperial stout milkshake. It's a milkshake, but made with imperial stout. But, but yeah. Made with imperial stout. So this is bougie on a budget. <laughs> if, if that's fair, Rob. Your freezer yeah. section bougie. <laughs> that's right. If okay. you had to pull this together in the in like within with you shit know, in your an freezer, hour, you can do it. <laughs> Rob, I feel like you have all of these things at your house right now. Like if we showed up, you could probably serve us most of these things. I he's, he's not answering I quickly, so, so the answer is yes. I don't think so. Maybe, it, Josh, if you told me you were going to show up within the hour, I could have these things readily. Available. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Love it, Rob. All right. Well, now that you have all (laughs) the premium pairing advice that we could possibly provide you, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with our unique beer of the week. Hey there. Thanks for checking out the Brews Day podcast. For more content or to leave a comment, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at the Brews Day. And for your daily dose of beer photos and reviews, check us out on Instagram at the Bruise Day Review. Cheers. And now back to the show. Oh, yeah. That might have been our cleanest. That was a good crack. Yeah, no, I like it. Unique crack that we've ever had. All right. We are back with our unique beers of the week. Josh, I'm gonna look to you first. What do you What do you got for us tonight? Thanks, Rob. So I am drinking. I'm actually pretty excited about it. Is uh, an Axeman IPA. It's from Surly Brewing Company, which is out of uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, it's a collab with, and I'm gonna butcher their name, so I apologize. Amager Brygus, uh, out of Denmark. Oh, that's a name. Like, I, yeah, I don't know if, if I hit it, but I feel it's it's close. You you could Google it. Um, it's a, it's a 7.2% ABV, 65 IBU, had a 4.14 average on untapped. Um, but what really caught my eye was sort of the really high, um, sort of, uh, out of a hundred rating that it, that it had. 
um, on Beer Advocate. And then I, I got it home and, and immediately realized Wes, who isn't here, had given a 3.5, which made me a little A little concerned. apprehensive, yeah. A little, little apprehensive, but I bought it. So we're, we're going to go for it. 104,000 check-ins. Um, I, I actually like it. It's, it's a golden promise malt. Um, so a, a little bit of sweet and clean with citrus and mosaic, which is a really classic combo. Um, they pair well together to like a lot of citrus, berry, uh, earthy tones. Um, and, and they tried to sort of uh, pur- purvey it as a hop forward and, and aromatic. The hop forwardness it definitely kicks in. You can tell that it's the, the citrus mosaic combo. Uh, it, it's not as aromatic as maybe I, I would assume for them having like literally put it on the description, um, but I'm I'm higher than than Wes's three point five. Um, I'm probably much closer to that four fourteen average, maybe a four one or four two, and and I've, I've probably got to get through the pint before I can uh, sort of sort between those two. Well, Josh, I'll jump in next. So I'm going to kind of keep my uh, pairing theme. I'm going with a little bit of my dessert round. So I'm drinking a ice creamy white chocolate peach triple IPA from Omnipolo. And they're out of Stockholm, Sweden. This is the same brewery that I had the Quipa from last season, last year. And they do great stuff. They do some powerful beers. And this is a 10% ABV, no IBU listed, has a 3.6 average on untapped. At the time when I looked at it, it had under 400 check-ins on untapped. And it, it tells you that it was brewed with cocoa nibs, white chocolate, peach, and lactose sugar. And I have to say that I can't really pick up any of the cocoa nibs or the chocolate or the white chocolate. I get a little bit of the peach. I can definitely see the lactose sugar and some of the smoothness and how it pours and, how, and the overall mouthfeel, but the, the kind of overriding scent and flavor that I get is just like dank hops. I mean, it is a triple IPA. It's 10%. It is, it is packed. It is strong. You definitely can taste the alcohol, but the overwhelming aroma I'm getting is just like dank hops. So that's very overpowering for me. I'm enjoying it so far. I'm definitely around a three, six. I'm a fan of it, but uh, not really as much of the peach, the chocolate, or really the milkshakeness of it. it. It honestly just kind of feels like a hazy that is just incredibly potent. Andy, before, before Rob jumps in with his unique, I, uh, I creepily, you, you'd sort of put your unique uh, a little bit in advance and, and I did some research on it. Um, from a lot of the check-ins and, and even some of the beer advocate reviews that I had seen, um, a lot of people described it as being sort of green um, and being like a very fresh, um, you know, maybe yeah. not completely aged uh, beer. And so I'm wondering if, if you could sort of, is that a correct description of, of maybe some of that like hop forwardness is just because it's a newer beer and, and a bit fresh compared to what they ultimately want it to be um, when you taste it, which is, is a whole lot of flavor, just literally based on that title. Yeah. I, w- I mean, from my, from my palate, I don't really think they hit the mark with based on their ingredients and what they describe to be going for, because I'm not really getting any of that. It, it is just, it tastes and smells like just a, a very hoppy, like triple hazy IPA. 
And, and so I'm, I'm losing a lot of those. Yeah, low things. I do get that kind of like tropical fruit, but I can't distinctly say it's peach, which they include. So I, I would say that they don't, at least for, for my palate, they don't really hit the mark with what they're talking about. It is a good beer, but if it wasn't advertised the way it is in terms of the ingredients and, and the name of the beer, I would easily just think, oh, it's a triple hazy. And, and so that it's a good beer, but it, it definitely misses the mark for what I think they were going for. Rob, what are you drinking? All right. So Andy, I actually decided to one up you on this one. Uh Oh, I'm checking in adult Icarus. It is a Quipa, a quad. Wow. How dare you yeah, one no, up a tempo no. with a Quipa? Yeah, I had to. How? I mean, look, <laughs> they're so rare to come by. I got to get take it. the opportunity. Yeah, Rob just said, I dare I. Yeah, I dare I. Dare I. I. <laughs> and here I go. So Adult Icarus is brewed by Ingenious Brewing Company out of Humble, Texas. It's also a collaboration with Turning Point Beer out of Bedford, Texas. Very it solid is a tw- spot. 12.5% ABV with 45 IBUs. It has an untapped average of 4.19 with only 551 check-ins. This thing definitely pours very hazy yellow, very golden, has a mild head that sticks around for a little bit. It's noted to have some sweet kind of notes to it, some sweet juices like citrus and and some others. I will say they're rather light or pleasant. The 12.5% ABV is very well hidden. I mean, you okay. barely taste it. You you don't taste it at all. Uh, it, it's very smooth and and to be honest, I'd say very creamy and and surprising to me that this is this is even a quipa. If I didn't see the twelve point five percent, I would have guessed that this was around probably eight percent. If I had all to right. guess, you you mentioned it. I'm I'm like kind of squinting at your glass. Even the color of it looks. It, it's not sort of that like bright you know orange or like something that that i might traditionally think of it's kind of just light like an orange julius almost oh Um, josh i was going right there yeah yeah yeah. it looks like like by by the smoothness and and it cutting from a a true 12.5 percent down to i think you said seven or eight like it is does it have that sort of like just really general smoothness that like i would get an orange julius at the mall Kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the, it's almost like the alcohol is replaced with just kind of a citrus, not, not citrus, but almost like a, a form of dankness, I guess is it, kind of like the, Ooh, that sounds the good. taste you're getting it towards the end. It's, it's really unique. I, I, honestly, for a, for a quad IPA, this is definitely not what I was expecting it's it's just uh it's it's a hazy on steroids and you know i'm I hearing think, you're a, a above a 419 is what i'm hearing i might be I, I i to be honest because of my expectation going into this i can't tell if i'm pleasantly surprised or if i if i wish that there was like you more. know a, more yeah uh to be honest i'm kind of 
leaning towards the latter right now where wow. I feel okay. like I was wishing that there was a little bit more because usually when you go into a Quipa, I mean, look, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of uh, <laughs> practice with this, uh, you know, quad IPAs are so rare to come by. So maybe, maybe that's just, just it, that this is, this is such a rare find that I need to enjoy it for what it is. And you know what, it's, it's a well-balanced, well-made beer, um, low to moderate moderation and something that so far I, I could easily drink this and not feel like I'm, I'm consuming a 12.5% beer by the end of it rolls you into towards blackout. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. So, you know what, I'm probably right around a 4.2. I don't know if I could go much further north of that. Um, but I also don't think it's much, I, I, I think the average is right on right now. And I, even with the low check-ins of only 500 or so, I hope it sticks around that range. Yeah. If, if Wes was here, we could have had a single Dippa, Tippa, Quipa. Like, yeah, it would have been good. But Wes had to, Wes couldn't attend tonight. Gotta drop the ball. (laughs) Rob, how's the head on the glass? At least like what I could see, it looks like it has like a very sustained head in the glass and like, definitely leave some good rings as you're drinking it. Yeah, actually it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking the same thing as I was drinking it. When I first poured it, it wasn't too heavy. It was rather moderate, but the head has remained um, throughout and it, it, it kind of just holds. It's not like it's overbearing. It, it kind of just sustains. That's where, that's where I first was getting the orange Julius when I could see it in the glass in your camera. I was like, Oh, that kind of looks like an orange Julius <laughs> with how much head there was still there. And like, it's hanging around. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to the big board. Obviously this is, this is our first big board of 2021. We've decided. Let's get Rob off that pedestal. You got to knock him down a few notches. And what did we decide guys? Are we going to do quarterly? Are we going to do quarterly big boards this year? So instead of doing a full, full season, are we going to do, uh, three months. I think we got to break it up. Yeah, you got to break it up. We're gonna be probably quarterly. I, I would say we probably need to get Wes back in here on on the podcast. I, I know we have his picks uh, in advance, but uh, I think we can uh, we can officially describe uh, sort of our our schedule. Maybe maybe next week. At the very least, we're gonna break it up a little bit. All right. So for this week, we're going to we're going to jump right in with NHL games. These are going to be games that are played on Saturday, the 30th. We've got three games that we picked out, and the tiebreaker is going to be total goals throughout all of these three games. So we've got Boston at Washington, Nashville at Tampa Bay, and Calgary at Montreal. Why don't we start with West? Let's have West go first since he had to submit his picks Prior to uh, any of here, any of us choosing ours, let's let him go first. Well, Rob, since Wes isn't here, I'm, I'll, I'll jump in and give his picks, and then I'll follow up with my picks. For Wes, uh, in the Boston-Washington game, he's going Boston. In the Nashville-Tampa Bay game, he's going Tampa Bay. And then the Calgary-Montreal game, he's taking the Montreal Canadiens. And his tiebreaker is eight total goals. I will concede that seems a little low 
Very low. Based on NHL scoring. You know. So, but but those are Wes's picks. I'll jump to my picks. I'm taking the Capitals of game one because OV, let's be obvious. Uh, I'm taking the Predators in game two over Tampa Bay. I think that'll actually be a really good matchup. And then probably the most lopsided matchup of these three is Calgary-Montreal because Montreal is just far and away better right now than Calgary. And I'm going to take 14 goals as my tiebreaker. That's a little closer to what I was uh, expecting the tiebreaker to be. Josh, over to you. Oh, the the winner's going last? You know what? The host gets to decide. We're in a new season here. Wow. And, uh, and thanks for once again just noting who yeah, the winner just was call, last Just year. calling that out. Yeah, just the, the winner wants to, to pick last. I saw Wes's picks come in, uh, and they matched up strikingly well to what I was headed toward. Um, so I do have Boston – uh, Tampa Bay and Montreal. Um, but I'm going to go a bit higher than eight. Um, and in, unless Rob throws me like a huge curveball, uh, I'm just going to go with nine. You know, price is right. West. Yeah, okay. Price is yeah, right. Is. And he's not even here to, to defend himself. Yeah, he can't. All right. So uh, my picks are actually very similar. I decided to go with Boston over Washington, Tampa over Nashville, and I am going with Canadians over over Calgary. My my tiebreaker though, I actually pegged it at 17, but given Josh where you ended up with yours, I would just go ahead and want prices right Andy with 15 total goals. Uh, for that my, feels right. Yeah, be, just right because right. your guys are closer than uh, than to to Wes and I's picks. Yeah, Rob's just trying to not give me any wiggle room for mm-hmm. victory. That's his mm-hmm. thing. Uh, mm-hmm. You got plenty of wiggle room where you're at. There's not much. <laughs> <laughs> there really isn't that much. It's big defense for the for the week. All right, so let's move into our lightning round. For this week, I decided let's go ahead and make it food pairing related. So I'm going to give you guys just a random food or dish, and you name a style of beer or even a particular beer if you want to, to pair with it, if that works. Let's do it. So, Josh, I'm going to start with you. We're going to go totally gourmet something that uh that i'm not sure how often you get where you're at right now in colorado so i decided you know what let's give you a little chance a a chance to just branch out a little bit we're gonna go with lobster and you can you can have it however you'd like you can serve it however you'd like but what are you gonna serve with your lobster Take forever, Josh. Please. I know, I know, I know. Uh, you know, lobster is is kind of a an in between. You know, if it was some sort of like a a light fish taco or something, you, you could go a little bit more bold. Lobster has some flavor. Um, I, I'm honestly thinking, you know, maybe some sort of uh, of heavier wheat beer um, might pay like a, a little bit of the sort of. Um, earthiness of a wheat beer paired with the uh, fishiness of a lobster. I feel like that could go together somewhat well. 
Um, and I'm kind of digging that, although, you know, I could easily default to, uh, I think we, we'd all agree, um, Andy's POV, which was, you know, an IPA goes with everything. I could have an IPA oh, with lobster, but you, if I'm trying to think of a bit more of a fancy pairing, to me, um, some sort of, uh, of craft wheat beer feels like it, it, would, it would merge well. Josh, I love that idea because, you know, to me, lobster just screams like summer in New England. And so I feel like, you know, wheat beer is just going to complement that, that buttery lobster sandwich or however you have it um, really well. So I think that's a really good idea. I like that. All right, Andy, over to you. For you, I've got something that I feel like you and I have enjoyed many of these. I also feel like you are an expert when it comes to creating these. Uh oh. So I selected for you breakfast tacos. Ooh, ooh, breakfast tacos. Okay. So it you're talking about morning hours. Please be brass monkey. <laughs> no, I can't do that. I mean that's that's not appropriate for, for this setting. <laughs> if I was gonna do a breakfast taco. Oh, that's tough. Oh, I, I on, I mean, as bad as it sounds, I almost want to say like a Lone Star, <laughs> just because of it. I think you know, I think that's a breakfast fair. taco. I think of very much Texas, but I mean, I was thinking light, light lager, like almost like yeah, straight up like Coors Light. Yeah, I think like a, I think like a light, I think like a lager would be the best approach for a breakfast taco because there's really two types of situations where you're going to try to drink a beer with a breakfast taco. The first situation being you're about to get ready for a big day <laughs> of, of outdoor activities and beer drinking. Yep. The second, the second situation is you're trying to recover from a very hard previous night <laughs> of drinking beer and you need to kind of like level set yourself and kind of get back to an even keel. You're just so, describing the two circumstances by which we've had breakfast tacos <laughs> together. Yeah. I mean, I feel like those are the two you're going to run into. So yeah, I would go like a, a like a light lager would be probably my my selection to pair with some breakfast tacos because I feel like you, you want the breakfast taco to shine. You don't want to overpower it. For can, sure. Depending on the ask- type of taco you have, you got to let it shine. Follow-up question. Will you be shotgunning that Coors Light or how are you drinking that Coors Light? Oh, see, it depends. It depends on the two scenarios. (laughs) If you're trying to start a big day, you might go shotgun. If you're trying to recover from a big night, you're definitely going to sip. You might as well put like a little sippy cup top on it because it's going to take a while. Thinking like (laughs) 10-foot funnel from Andy from from the second floor. No, we don't need that. All right, Rob. So it's your turn. So we went a little bit more directed and we went a little bit more local to where you're from. So you hail from the Pittsburgh area. So the item that you need to pair a beer with is a Primanti Brothers sandwich. What are you going to pair with that delicious French fry filled sandwich? Just very classic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Jeez, when you go that specific, I'm probably going an icy light. An Iron City. Whoa. <laughs> it's just, I mean, if, if we're going straight up Pittsburgh, we're going, we're going to Permani Sandwich. Um, I'm going an icy light on that sucker as well. If, uh, if they ran out of icy light because it's so popular, then I'm probably going to select a, a Yingling next. All right. And, and when you say icy light, is that a lager? It's it's a yeah it's an ex, like I'd, I'd say a very light logger. All right, and hearing the Yingling news, are we going Dallas Yingling or Pittsburgh Yingling? Or I don't think you've had a, a Dallas Yingling yet, so that that may be you know something of question. Yeah, it's gonna be. I, I'm not sure exactly when the the the. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly when Yingling is going to be distributed in Texas. I think that's coming up here in 2021. Uh, but I highly doubt that the te- the Texas brewed Yingling is going to make its way to Pittsburgh. My guess is they'll continue to distribute Yingling. Yeah. You know, in Pittsburgh out of, uh, out of uh, uh, Pennsylvania. So yeah, it'll, it'll just be a Pennsylvania born Yingling. That's good. All right, so let's move on to our good, bad, or ugly. Um, one of the changes we've made for, for this category uh, moving forward is that we're going to make it beer-related. Uh, less about what happens to us personally, unless it is beer-related. Beer things uh, might happen to me beer personally. Beer may happen to they us do. personally. It's, it's, it happens often. Yeah, so Andy, let's start with you. What, what's going on? So Rob, I'm going to actually take this opportunity to say it's not a good, it's a great. Ooh, and okay. I'm going to one up your Quipa in that I found a Quipa today in the wild that one ups your Quipa because this beer is 14 times dry hopped. Mm. Over the course of two weeks, it was dry hopped once a day for two weeks. This comes from Sig Brewing Company in Tacoma, Washington. I don't even know if I can pronounce the name properly. It's called a Quattro or de Couple or or de Couple. It is a 14 times dry hopped quadruple hazy IPA. And I came across it in the wild. I, as we've talked about last year, this is the year of like the triple IPA and, and the Quipa. And I'm, we're making it a mission to find them. And I just so happened to come across one in the wild. And so I bought a Crowler. I will not be drinking the Crowler in one <laughs> sitting because I won't remember the rest of the day. But I'm very excited to try it. And I feel like I found a diamond in the rough. Yeah, you did. It makes me a little concerned that the year that we're trying to seek out Quipas, we've found two in our first episode. Already. (laughs) (laughs) We're having no problem finding them. Yeah. Okay. That's That's the theme. All right. Yeah, so I'm sticking to it. All right, I'm going to go next. So I've, I've got a good, my Tavor shipment came in this week. And as well, I, I had another shipment come in this week. And I feel like 
the the planets have just been aligning because when my multiple shipments of beer come in and they're aligned in the same week it's it's almost <laughs> like it's almost like that office episode yeah. where the dvd emblem like hits perfectly <laughs> in the corner <laughs> that's exactly what happened this week with with my two shipments arriving this week so i feel like i was able to open both my fridge is absolutely stocked i am i'm really stoked and so i just can't wait to check out all this this fresh beer that i i just received that that rings so true i mean uh, i i've gotten a couple of shipments over over the last week and um you know uh, there's a few people in my household uh you know mail will arrive and somebody will say like is somebody expecting something i have to sign for and i'm like in another room like running out like yes please sign for it like that is my beer <laughs> All right, Josh, over to you. So I'll, I'll go with two, and, and one of them is less beer-related, but I'm very excited. So we've gotten three to four feet of snow Whoa. here in uh, in Colorado Damn. in the last wow. uh, week and a half or so. Um, so other than the shoveling part, uh, it, it's been <laughs> awesome. I've, I've gotten a few uh, days of, uh, of nice powder snowboarding in, uh, so I've been really amped about that. The beer-related update that I have um, here in Durango, one of the the smaller, newer breweries uh, that, that sort of recently popped up. It's called High Trestle Brewery. Um, they came out with a a black IPA, and it, it's something that I think I even mentioned during um, you know one of the the episodes where we talked about beer that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, but it, it did a really nice job of providing some of the toasted malt that I think you expect from a black IPA or even something like a, you know, a stout or a different style of beer. Um, but there was still some hot profile noticeable. Um, it, it's just a flavor profile. I hadn't, hadn't seen in a while or enjoyed in a while. Um, and it's something that if, if, you know, if you can find one in your local area, um, black IPAs, especially if somebody's doing it right, um, I think it's a great beer and, and something that uh, that should maybe even pick up in in just preference and, and style. Nice, that's awesome, Josh. All right, well, we're excited to be back uh, in 2021 and keep it going. And uh, I guess we'll we'll just go ahead and end this like we always do with a uh, peace, peace. Peace.